no good sharks. My name is Matthew Kroll. And my name is Shahir Dowd. Hey, Matt, you want a toothpick? Why? Does my gut smell battered? It does. And I know, I know for a fact that this listener-requested episode, we are going to be all up in each other's grills. Uh, and this is the only podcast about the film Drive. You ha- really have it in for this movie. Fuck <laughs> this movie. And and fuck our lovely listeners. Who <laughs> we've had multiple requests. Uh, four or five at this point. Granted, one might be the same person. <laughs> twice. Twice. Um, but yeah, you guys really hate me. Um, they or, don't hate you. They love the movie. Yeah, no, I think they like seeing me in distress or like hearing me in distress. <laughs> um, Why would that be? I don't know. Maybe it's because I yell. I God. I so dear. I've listeners, gotten too good at being angry. Too good, you say. Oh well, we'll get into that, dear listeners. This is a listener requested episode, which was requested by Nicholas Parker, who has been a guest on this show, and three or four other people. Robin well. has requested it. Um, I, I I'm trying to remember. I, we had a list about we, we we get a lot of requests for this movie for some reason. Yeah, this is the one. Um, and so uh, if you have a request for a movie that you'd like us to review, please drop us a line at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com or check out our new website, our brand spanking new website, yeah, onlymoviepodcast.com, yeah, yeah. where you can see all of our back content, contact us. Um, we will eventually try and attach a blog to that at some point. But if, you, if you're if you yearning for an Only Movie Podcast blog, you can tap into our Twitter feed and our Facebook page. That is right. Twitter at Only Movie Pod. And if you like what you hear, please go and distribute stars accordingly across iTunes. It gets us across to other ear holes, and uh, we really appreciate it. So please do that up if you find us worthy. In that same note, we want to read out an email. Uh, I know I should have done this in the last episode, which dropped on Monday on The Light Between the Oceans, but I didn't get a chance to because but I'm an it's, idiot. it's Fan Wednesday and it's a fan email, so let's just uh, get into it on this fan. Any, anything we can do to, to extend the, the to, to diminish the time that I have to talk about Drive, I am 100% for. Oh boy, we're going to get into this. But uh, I just wanted to say uh, again, thank you to Jacob, who is a, a long-time listener. Well, not a long-time listener because we're not a long-time show, but a listener. We've been on for a year. Yeah, we've been doing this for a year. Uh, but a listener who's written to into us before, and we really appreciate uh, all your comments and uh, feedback, Jacob. You wrote us a very, very long email, which I'm not going to be able to read out here. But the the main thrust of Jacob's email was that he is... Not a fan of Hello High Water, which, <laughs> which we were big. Well, yeah. here's the thing: I don't think I was actually a huge fan of that movie, I but really I, think, liked I, it. I think in context of the other movies we've been watching, I really appreciated it. Yeah, maybe it's just the it's like you know, it's like <laughs> the diamond in a pile of shit. Uh, I know. I don't know what a diamond would be doing in a pile of shit unless uh, a dog ate a diamond. Oh, if you crush shit enough, it becomes it. No, it's coal. I don't know. Analogy <laughs> broken. What ha- What did he say? What did Jacob say? Look, first off, he just wants to say that he is a big fan of wi- of modern westerns, particularly slow west bone. Tomahawk, The Hateful Eight, and then The Keeping Room, which is a film I haven't heard of. Okay. He also recommended another film, which uh, I hadn't heard of, called The Fits, and another one called Demon. Jacob, keep these uh, requ- um, th- um, she recommendations. Writes them, he writes them in his diary. I do write them in my diary. I'm looking at it right now. And my keep, on my keepsake, I learned a little love hat with Jacob written around it. That got awkward. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, yeah. but, but the main thing, if you go back to our review, I think the thing that we really got into a little bit was uh, the relationship between Marcus and Alberto, the the kind of playful racism, uh, <laughs> as I liked, and 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 this is going to be weird because the brown guy in the room is the one advocating for playful racism. That's right, you heard it here first. Racism is fun. Um, I actually said that on TV once in an interview uh, that was nationally televised, where I said I think racism is funny, um, and I do. 
Um, okay. But okay. Uh, Jacob says, having spent a decent amount of time in small town rural Texasm, racism is absolutely alive. Not only is it alive, it's actually prevalent. So to see something be real... Uh, so real, be used as cheap jokes really struck me the wrong way. Oh. Um, and trust me, I'm definitely no PC uh, social justice warrior. I'm all tongue and che- uh, I'm all about tongue and cheap comedy and offensive material. He's not a PC social. Justice yeah, he's not a PC uh, social justice warrior. SJW. Uh, but the consistency of the jabs grew very old very fast. Um, I I I think this is something I touched upon on the episode, which is that there is a line that it, and and the line is moving. It is uh, it is almost like liquid. It dries up and it moves around, and it could be anywhere at any point. So you have to be very very careful when you do uh, when you get into this kind of what I call playful racism. Um, and perhaps I think uh, being in a context where that is true. Uh, you know, and all around you, and you've seen actual real consequences of it. Yeah. Um, I think could 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 shape your view of the way in which Marcus and Alberto talk to each other in this movie. Um, he's also not a fan of Taylor Sheridan, who wrote this. Um, uh, he's not a fan of Sicario. I again, I wasn't a fan of Sicario. I but wasn't it, either. But it's a film I always think about rewatching. It's a I, film I'd never think about rewatching. Really, <laughs> I love listening to the score, the Johan Johansson yeah, score. Yep, yep, it's yep. amazing. And every time I listen to the score, I go, "Man, there's so much good stuff in this movie." I really. Want to see again? I'm also a Denis Villeneuve fanboy. Um, so <laughs> you heard it here. First. I'm a Villeneuve fanboy. Um, uh, so uh, Jacob, again, thank you for writing that, and it is good to hear a second opinion on that movie. Again, I think that that is a it's a movie that I like in context. I may not watch it again, but I did think it was pretty well crafted. But uh, and yeah. I, I like it when when listeners write in and give us uh, different opinions, especially on films that we sort of agree on. There was one thing. There's another part to his email, which uh, we'll just he he went and saw it at a cast and crew screening, and the cast and crew were there, and they were very drunk apparently, and and not um, into it. Uh, well, just kind of like it was it was hard to keep them coherent apparently. Oh wow! Um, and I and I do think this is true because you and I just had this experience where we got to see a film recently with the filmmaker in attendance. Yep, uh, a very prominent filmmaker, and and we obviously having that person in the room. Um, oh, it changes your experience. 100%. It changes you, you. You're much more forgiving. But and and again, for him, having those people in the room and not liking those people might might flavor it the other way. Yeah, because it comes after. Who knows? I don't know. Um. Yeah. So, well, Jacob, thank you. Uh, we appreciate the email, Jacob. Yeah. And please keep listening and keep writing in. So, is there anything? Any other emails to hear that we got to get into? Uh, anything to stave off this fucking bile duct that's going to be <laughs> pouring just, through? Just we have many requests that like this one that we're getting to. I, I'm really enjoying. There's a request coming in from a Twitter listener, Ray R E I. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, even though I don't know why. Uh, uh, Ken Russell's The Devils. Now, that is a film that You've we've been talking had, about it for a while. We're doing had, research. I'm I'm reading two books about it right now, and and the only way to see that film was to buy a copy of it on eBay, a Region 2 DVD. Luckily, I have for my old, uh, when I used to just eat up Korean cinema, uh, I have an old uh, region-free DVD player from college, so we're so, going to hook that baby up. Um, VGA, motherfuckers! So that's coming up, so if if, if you're enjoying our listener request, I urge you, you can buy the blue, uh, the sorry, the DVD really cheaply. It is quite a... You need a region-free DVD player. You do need a region-free DVD So not player. everyone has that. Uh, I think you could probably... I hope mine still works. I'm not going to I'm not gonna advocate this, but you can probably torrent this. No! There are many different uh, cuts of this film, and so, so buying the region two BFI DVD is the best way to see the movie. Tell you what, if you're gonna torrent it, buy the physical disc, even though you can't play it. 
Um, the 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 disc also comes loaded with extra content, uh, especially from <laughs> that Mark, you can't experience. <laughs> uh, from Mark Kermode, yes, you can't experience. Uh, Mark Kermode, who's a fantastic film reviewer um, and has his own podcast about movies, though I've never heard it and I don't believe it exists. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, it no, doesn't, doesn't yeah, I don't understand. But moving on, ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've been waiting for. The uh, Nicholas Winding Winding Riffin Winding I think is a really appropriate middle name for this movie. Uh, Winding Riffin fi 2011 film starring Ryan Gosling and Carrie Mulligan about a stunt car driver for Hollywood who is who gets himself embroiled in the Jewish mafia's movements in LA. I'm making this up off the cuff, just off memory. Or as IMDb puts it, a mysterious Hollywood stuntman and mechanic moonlights as a getaway driver and finds himself trouble when he helps out his neighbor. Is that actually it finds himself trouble? Yep. Um, he finds trouble. He finds himself trouble. All right. Finds himself in trouble? No, I don't fucking know. Here we go. Uh, yeah, it's probably it's like two o'clock. I feel like I should go first because I know I know I know. What's your history with this? While I just pound it's this not, beer, it's not a history. I well, okay, it is a history. I've seen it three times now. This is the third time I've watched this movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, the first time was in a theater. Um, and my experience generally now this film was not only polarizing but very popular on on. Uh, on re-release. It kind of did what Fight Club did. Fight Club wasn't that huge in the theater, but did really well uh, when the film came out on iTunes sure. uh, later on. It had a it had a longevity. It's made, I think, $78 million off a $15 million budget. Done very, very well. Mm -hmm. And um, um, I saw it in a theater. My general opinion was this uh, at the first time I saw it. This the opening scene of this movie is so fucking good. Yes. It's so great that yes. that I found that the film didn't the rest of the film didn't quite live up to how good that it's first It's almost is. as if the rest of the film is a different movie entirely from the first 10 minutes of this film. I don't believe that to be true. Then I watched it a second time and now have knowing that this opening scene was so good, I kind of concentrated more on what was going on in the second half of the film and I enjoyed it as a as a as a uniform experience second time around. Third time around I'm kind of, I'm still 50-50 on this movie, but I do like it. And I think, and I think there's a lot to like here. Nicholas Winding Riffin, Winding Riffin. I have seen Bronson. I have seen Valhalla Rising. I've seen Drive. I want to see Neon Demon, even though I fucking hate this movie. Uh, I haven't seen Only God Forgives, and I haven't seen The Pusher Trilogy, and I haven't seen uh, Neon Demon. I should catch up with those. Generally, I love Nicholas Winding, Winding Riffin because I think... Like his other Danish contemporary, Lars von Trier, this is a man who knows cinema, is playful with cinema, is a masterful filmmaker. If you're interested, I, this is the thing I would urge everyone to do, is there is a film on Netflix called My Life by Nicholas Winding Refn, which is a documentary made by his wife while Nicholas Winding, Winding Refn was making the follow-up to Drive Only God Forgives in um, Bangkok. Sure. And uh, it is an amazing, incredible fly on the wall on the production of a film. Um, you see in this film, Ryan Gosling and Nicholas Winding Riffin get offered, I think, an extra $200,000 to appear at a film festival. And they're like, well, we do need this for our movie. And so they're like, someone's going to give us $200,000. All right. Give it to us in cash in a briefcase and we'll turn out and you follow them as they go to this film festival do basically a handshake and then in a hotel room afterwards get handed I think it's a hundred that maybe two hundred thousand dollars that's fucking cool as shit that's cool as shit and then the other thing that that you see in in that documentary that I think is really interesting is dr 
Winding Riffin, Riffin, Nicholas Winding Riffin. I don't know how to Riffin. Yeah, in in WR, um, (laughs) in WR is really struggling with the fact that Drive was such a huge success for him and put him on the map. Everything he'd done up until that point had. You know, kind of flown. It had done well. Like, uh, there's another documentary similarly made about the Pusher trilogy, where he's basically struggling. He's yep. about to go bankrupt, and he decides to put everything into the Pusher trilogy, and it does well for him. Sure. Um, and then everything he's made since then, like Valhalla Rising and Bronson, were like critically acclaimed, but didn't do very well. Then all of a sudden, Drive came out, and not only were fans flocking to see the, you know, like the general audiences were flocking to see this movie, but critics were loving it as well. So he suddenly is under this enormous pressure to like he doesn't want to be a commercial Hollywood filmmaker. His impulses are to go every completely against that. And I think if you look at only God forgives and neon demon, he is going against that, sure. that urge. Um, even though he at some point has, was asked to direct a James Bond movie, he was going to direct uh, the Logan's run remake. Um, oh, thank God he didn't. So, so this is a filmmaker that believes in cinema as an art form and has found himself in the midst of com- the, the most commercial place he can be in Hollywood. Um, and he's fighting, and he and he's his anxiety is struggling against the 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 pressure to like survive in that world while while sure. maintaining his instincts. So I, I everything about this is really interesting to me. He's uh, also a little bit um, he's eccentric, I would say. Oh yeah, like he does this this cool thing, which is that he wraps himself in a blanket when he makes a movie for the entire for the so entire far duration. not sounding cool. Well, basically, he has this belief that it will keep your 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 core warm and your like your strength, you'll hold your strength. And he, so if you see him on set, he's wrapped in this particular blanket. Wow. Uh, and when, and when uh, Ryan Gosling went to make his first feature film, I think it's called lost river. Uh, Riffin gave him a blanket for the same purpose. Um, well, he also says that drive is a film that represents his love for his wife. Uh, in an interview, he spoke that. I don't know exactly how to take that, but that was pretty much what he had also said. He also said that uh, grim fairy tales were the major inspiration for the film Drive. I can totally see that. It feels very much like a fable. He also said, uh, how, how did he put it? He said, we were always rooted in a reality, and even though it's heightened reality, it was always essential. It was always essentially a love story about good and evil, and that's something that is accessible to everyone everywhere. Uh, yeah, disagree, but I mean, it's him and that's what he did. And he made it. He also said Ryan Gosling and him both have gone on record and said that the, the driver is, is the main character is a werewolf. If we're looking at it in a, uh, <laughs> I think that's a kind of ex- eccentric view that, the, you know, these are like, no, I get it. Riffin also talks about the neon demon being a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, like he's basically saying that this is his version of a horror movie. Sure. Just as much as I think drive is his version of a heist film or, or, or An action a, movie. Yeah, I think one of the main inspirations was to live and die in L.A. Well, okay, so you, that's your experience. That's his experience kind of with it as much as we can know. Uh, my experience uh, with Drive, I mean, if you've listened to this, you know I, I really hate this film. Um, it's I, a very strong word. I hate its, I hate its acclaim. I think it, it, doesn't, it doesn't earn its reverence. But again, this is just me. I completely understand that I am in the minority entirely about this film. Everyone I tell that I hate Drive, mm-hmm. they I think lose a little respect for me, <laughs> uh, or I don't I don't know what the sort of non intellectual equivalent of that is. Like, oh, for real, bro! Like, what the fuck? Well, it's it's the way you're approaching it. I can understand if you disliked the movie and you had reasons. for Oh, it, I have. Re- we're gonna get into all the reasons. But so to maybe, say you flat out hate it, a movie this well crafted and this. But you know well- me, Sheer. You know me, right? It's it's movies that do great things 
that then completely fuck up either elsewhere or eventually fuck up the great things they do. Like, let me just say straight up soundtrack to this film. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Fucking brilliant. Uh, what else do I absolutely love about this film? Uh, the some of the acting I think is really strong. Yeah. I think Brian Cranston does a great job. I think um, I think all of the acting in this film is. I think real, like everyone. I think everyone in this film does a great job, except the for, names in this film are incredible. Albert Brooks, Ryan Gosling, know, Carrie Mulligan, Oscar hold on, Isaac, hold on, whoa, Brian whoa, whoa. Cranston. Yeah, uh, but Ryan Gosling and Carrie Mulligan do nothing for me. hundred percent in this film. More so Gosling, and I like Gosling. Right. Like I, I'm not a huge fan of like the the romance movies he started in, at sort of before this sort of the transitioned him into and, other things. Yeah. But I understand the skill and the sort of stuff behind it. Mm-hmm. His performance in this film, the character isn't a character. The character is a placeholder, like and such a such a blatant placeholder that he comes across, especially in the first half of this movie, other than the first ten minutes, I should say, as just sort of this like robotic, like broken Stallone type, like in in a weird, just unlikable sort of way for mm-hmm. me, uh, and it just does nothing for me for caring or immersion or anything. I so can, I can see because he's, he's very quiet. He's very silent. He doesn't respond. And you mix that with a very deliberate choice in this film past the first 10 minutes. Again, the first 10 minutes is this beautiful sort of like he sets up that he's the driver and he has a five minute window. You can hire him and he'll do anything for you in those five minutes. But a minute before a minute after he doesn't have any responsibility. But also and, the way in which he like evades police is just so brilliant. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, and I still listen to the chromatic song, like whenever I'm going running. Yeah, and oh, I like I want to get music's focused. Great. Music's I, great. I listen to that chromatic track so, all the time. But then, I, I, sort of two problems here, and we'll get into it once we sort of get past this. Is it sets up this this great sort of scene it has nothing really to do stylistically or actiony or anything with the rest of the film. It just sort of proves it shows what he does at night. But he never does that again. He does it twice, two more times in this movie. He gets in a car, but he doesn't do a heist like this. He does two more. He is he 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 does one more, and it's during the day. One, he is hired one more time, and yep. he and he again skillfully, kind of brilliantly evades. No, uh, I have uh, a ton uh, of problems with that scene. Evades, but continue. What's the second one? What's the second and, one? And the second one is when he goes on his rampage, killing uh, Ron Perlman. Now we're gonna go do spoilers at the end of this. Uh, throughout but this again, movie. that's not that's just sort of skill drive. It's not. So, that's what the that's what the opening is. Is he's no. a skilled driver? But like, uh, so it's three more times. Two more. Times. Uh, two more times. Uh, three times in total. But in both film. are both are not doing anything impressive or meaningful. Anyway, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But my bottom line is, and then the final thing that really, 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 really breaks this entire thing for me because like smoke coming out of his ears right now uh, <laughs> is the pacing and the and not not so much. It's so funny because not a story pacing and not like a full film pacing, but speci- like individual shot pacing consistently 80% of these shots hang at least two seconds too long and you add up all that for me and holy fuck does it just there's something and maybe there's something even psychological with the way I ingest media I'm not a, I'm not against a slow moving film mm-hmm. a methodical film the witch moved real slow I liked parts of the witch. <laughs> you like parts of it, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But like pacing was not an issue with the witch and the, yeah. and the witch moved fairly slowly. Yeah. Um, th- this just, it's like any time it starts to like, Oh, a fucking kick-ass track hit or like a good shot was there or like whatever. But then like just a consecutive, like it, it like 
just being too in love with the shot you're in to like know when to cut away. And I, it's, it's the, I, I get what they're trying to do. I think maybe once we start this, you yeah. can tell me what you think that is. It just, it, it's a, it's a film breaking style for me. Mm. It, it's, the, what I've heard is he was trying to do a deconstruction of sort of this like 80s action movie thing. Mm-hmm. But the problem is when you deconstruct something along those lines, when you take away a lot of the flash and you put in a, sort of like a lot of forced meaning, the skeleton that's left to me is just really ugly. Like mm-hmm. it's like the reason I put up with a lot of garbage in action movies is because there's flash and pop. Right. You like and- the sugar. Yeah, and and if you're gonna if you're gonna give me frosted, but not even no, that doesn't make sense. Let's do analogies. If you give me Lucky Charms, right? Mm-hmm. But there's no marshmallows in the Lucky Charms. You're like, oh yeah, and you sell it to me as Lucky Charms. Yeah. I'll be like, well, this is fucking oat bran. Yeah, like, and it just doesn't fit for me. So, so the food analogy I would use here, is yeah, that, maybe my Lucky Charms wasn't the best. Well, so like I think this movie is kind of a hamburger of a movie, which is that it's an easily accessible, you know what you're getting kind of thing. But it's but it's made by a really good chef who does a few little touches that make this a real, like a burger that you would tell your friends But doesn't about. include cheese or onions or pickles or lettuce or tomato. I, I think it instead, does. And, instead, and, he puts one particular type of like really rare spice on it that while interesting. There's a, there's an episode of Bob's Burgers where they're doing a burger cook-off. Uh, I and, love and, Bob's Burgers. And uh, the black oh, garlic. The black garlic. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. This is the, this black, is the black garlic, garlic burger. <laughs> yes. This is the black garlic burger. Uh, I, I, and I, look. I think the thing is, is that you're you're reading the compositions as being too in love with themselves. I'm reading them as really exceptional compositions. They're not. I think they're beautifully. This movie. This, this has, movie is so beautiful to look at. This is one of the most astoundingly gorgeous movies shot in L.A. That that it, I could I could totally hang on three or four of these shots for like. A minute longer. Yes, yes three and, or four of them. Not every fucking one. No, I I think they're all cut very very well. Um, Disagree. And and the 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 thing that I think is is interesting is that so here's a, one thing I really want us to do in this episode because it's a fan requested episode. And it's a film that we've both seen a couple of times now. Is I want to be specific about things that we like and we don't like. I don't want to like blanket say. I think this film is pretentious. I, I think, think we've been very specific thus far. I, I don't think we have. What happened? We, I said things I liked and I didn't like about it. Okay, but I want to be very specific about scenes that you like and dislike. You can't just say, I every shot lasts three seconds too long. But Give that, me an but example. I that's, can't, but no, that's, that, I'm sorry. That's one of my global, that's one of my global things. So, but, it, but that's fine. That's but like, totally but that's fine. It. But the, Give me an example. Uh, any scene in the elevator? Any scene where the wait, the, you're talking about the most the incredible elevator slowdown where he like kills someone. Yeah. You're talking about that scene. Yeah, but also let's go, let's go. Um oh, that scene is so good. Yeah. Like even okay, I'll even take this. Um there's scenes at the mechanic shop. I'm trying to think of something more benign, right? Mm-hmm. There that whenever whenever it's it's a scene with Ryan Gosling and Carrie looking at each other, yeah. it hangs way too long. So there, to, to me, a really specific example is um, Oscar Isaac's uh, standard, uh, what's his name? Standard. Standard. I don't know his last standard, name. Standard. Uh, That's uh, fine. Something. His name is Standard. Yeah, and do you have the deluxe version? <laughs> um, standard comes back and he is... Well, we're not even, no one knows who Standard is yet unless they're sort of going through. Well, it's not... We're doing we're doing spoilers at this point. Oh, I know, but we're that's like the middle of the movie. Yeah, yeah, okay. So no, but I want to be specific about scenes that I. Well, that let's I, get specific. Let's go through the film. Well, I want to be specific about a scene that I think is cut very long, but really, really well. Okay. Um. So there's a scene where uh Carrie Mulligan's uh ex uh, her husband 
uh, father, in jail. Of, father of his uh, child who is in jail comes back. And She's the neighbor of Ryan Gosling, the that driver, he, that if he you haven't seen. And yeah. they have like a little bit of a weird romance in the beginning. And like he becomes, becomes this a weird real human being. Father. <laughs> a human being. Um, um, so there's, and what happens is, is, uh, is that there are these beautiful scenes of them you know, like you see the interrelationship between the two apartments. Uh, there's a beautiful scene where they're walking down the hallway and she's leading him. And then all of a sudden the, the steady cam shifts and now he's leading her. And you see the distance between their apartments. It's great. There's another scene where he comes into the apartment and we see basically the entire scope of their apartment as he like tries to deliver, go- you know, like hand off some groceries. The scene that I really, really love is that he is by himself and standard uh, played by Oscar Isaacs has just come home. Um, so they're having a party next door. He's about to go out for the evening and he comes out and he opens his door and, and Carrie Mulligan is sitting in the middle of the hallway. And there is this pregnant pause between them that lasts maybe 10 to 15 seconds where they, where he stares at her and she stares at him. Sure. And the thing that I love. That sounds the, like one that I don't remember, therefore worked in a weird way. Uh, the thing, I mean, this is a scene that lasts really long. It takes a long time. But the thing that I loved about it is that in this exchange, you where no words are spoken. You see Carrie Mulligan just breathing heavily when she sees um, when she sees uh, the driver Ryan Gosling again. Oh yeah, no and, name by the way. He's just the, the driver. driver, and so, so she's just breathing really heavily, and she knows she knows what this means. She knows that that the return of standard means that she's about to go back to her old life, and we can tell in her gaze that she kind of liked where this was going with Ryan Gosling. Right, and because after because after some light stocking at a grocery store, the driver eventually helps her with her car, and then they have a little like a little bit of a romance. They go on an actual date while Standard's still in uh, prison, and he becomes sort of the surrogate father f- figure in a weird way to the short. Son. It's very brief. It is brief, but I, like you see, it's the beginning of something. Uh, what was the kid's name? Um, I don't remember the child's <laughs> name. Anyway, the kid, uh, that's the line I said in the beginning with the, there are no good sharks because they're watching him, Ryan Gosling and the kid are watching cartoons and he's like, is that a good guy or a bad guy? And the, he's like, oh, he's a bad guy. How can you tell? He's a shark. There's no good sharks. There's no good sharks. And what, what I think, what I really like about this film, having watched it a couple of times now, is that this film is really about whether Ryan Gosling's character can become a human being. It's like, what do you, he, he, there's a romance that is developing that kind of, for him, opens him up and makes him feel vulnerable again. But underneath the surface of this character is a real shark, and it is a sociopath. He is not he is not a good quote unquote good person. And I think the failure of this relationship unleashes the sociopath in him. And that and that to me is what's really fascinating about this film is that is that we're taking this matinee idol, Ryan Gosling, and you know, the star of the notebook, and we're setting him up to be this. To, to have this romance with Carrie Mulligan, his next door neighbor, it's this beautiful 80s nostalgia moment. There's that wonderful scene where they're driving through the the the, the open dams of L.A. Right. Um, and he even like, there's even a connection, like a, an inherent connection between him and this child. But ultimately, this guy is a sociopath. He is, he is, um... He is a, per, you know, and, and his, but his, you know, what's interesting? his, 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 his the, well, hold on, hold on, his, his model of family and his model of what it means to save a family involves beating a woman um, and involves like, you know, basically getting involved in bank robberies where you're shooting people in the face with, with shotguns. It also involves like attacking a man 
with a hammer in a strip club. This is a, and in a way, he kind of resembles to me Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. But you know what's interesting? There's no, like, you're talking about all these psycho moments. They don't happen until after that second thing goes bad. He's just a quiet weirdo. But if you, for the if you, first half of the film, and I think, and like, the, they, I think no, the listen, thing is, listen, you even see in the that in the first half of the film, it's just under the surface. No, you don't, because the only time you've seen him in any action, he's been cool, calm, and collected the entire You're, fucking. But time. he's also a criminal. He's also a guy. But who, he's a calm criminal. That's what I'm saying to you. Like they, they, they don't, they don't set up this psycho moment of him until he just becomes a psycho, and then he's a psycho. Like I, the thing is, I see that that's like, and the thing is, what you're talking about is like his. His inability to communicate except through his car. He is not a guy, like, he doesn't, like, open up to her. He's kind of silent the whole time. And then the moment that this standard reappears in his life is when he puts on the facade. And I, and I think this this whole thing is, is, is referenced so beautifully at the end of the film when he takes the, the stuntman mask and he wears it. This is, the, this is who he really is. He, is. he is a shark and he is a sociopath. And and I think what's beautiful about this film is the way it plays our expectations against that, and then reveals who he truly is. I'm not and that's saying bold. I'm not that's saying bold for this kind of movie. I don't think it's bold. I think I, it's just a thing. This is a guy uh, who thinks you think Jurassic Park was being bold by being by being um, by being so close to the original. You mean Jurassic World? Jurassic World. And you said the same thing about the Force Awakens. You thought that was being bold. I thought it was. Oh no, I don't think I'd ever use the word bold. I think I used the word ballsy, which is, I guess is kind of the same. <laughs> uh, the this isn't how do I put it? I know we want to get into specifics, but the the problem and I and we can go through as we go down. But like the like I don't. Th- this is the crazy part. A lot of the things you've said I agree with, mm-hmm. but like for instance, the mask and that's who he really is. And da 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 da. My issue is through. And it's and it's the whole pie. It's not ingredients, which is why I have a problem like being like, oh, this specific scene. Like I, I remember the hallway scene that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. I liked that scene. That scene's fine to me. Mm-hmm. And that feels like, yeah, if there's scenes like that, that works. But any time that a character's looking at each other, look looking one way or the other, slow push. So tell push, me a scene that doesn't push. work. And I need I need to this I got is the thing. It, you, no, you no, gotta no. tell me a scene that doesn't work. I and you gotta tell me why. I'm telling you why. Like, okay, um, I'll just pick one at random. The scene, um, let's go with um, they're all around the table, even telling that story, right? When it's and when it's standard, standard and whatever. Yeah, there's just and just like every fucking scene, the story's being told, and it's just like uh, conversations. It's funny conversations don't continue through these extra two seconds. It's just a slow push. This movie has two modes: slow push in. And aerial shot of nighttime LA. I disagree. Like, so that scene that you're specifically talking about, I think the thing that was really interesting there is what's happening with Ryan Gosling in that scene, which is Ryan Gosling is watching this family and he's realizing at some point that he is the outsider in here. And that, and that, and, and what's happening, yeah. what, what's really fascinating is this dynamic between these two men who are meeting each other and know that they're, they're at odds with each other. And I think the 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 what Oscar Isaac's character deluxe uh, standard, not the <laughs> deluxe version, is doing there is reasserting that he is that this relationship that he is with Car- that he has with Carrie Milligan is much deeper than what Ryan Gosling's inherent you know like moments with his child has been. Sure, and, but again, the, the, my, what, another problem I have is in general, the Ryan Gosling character I don't give a fuck about because he's so not even there. 
even he's so not even there that the moments where he breaks into violence, yes, is shocking at a, at a moment like whoa, like that's crazy hammer time. But like again, after you get by the ooh, that's fucking brutal. I don't give a fuck. They don't set him up for you to give a shit about him. He's not a good or a bad guy. He's just a guy. But that's and, and a guy that has literally zero personality. He has fucking baseline nothing or psychopath. And I think that's to me that's actually what's interesting about this film. This film isn't trying to see, like there to me <laughs> the way I would describe it is is <laughs> it's really weird. I think Nicholas Winding, Winding Riffin is a very smart filmmaker, and I don't think he is a genre filmmaker. He's not out here to like. Make, no, he's break. He's purposely breaking genre. I understand, yeah, and that. he's not out here to make like um, uh, Fast Boy. and the Furious sure. or anything yeah, like of that. Of course, he's, but side note. They did market it like Fast and Furious, and it had a bit of a Suicide Squad thing where they actually got sued. Someone sued unnecessarily, so sure. So I don't think that's what he's making, and I think, and I think the that's not his fault either. The advertising, the the thing that I, what he's trying to do, is set us up to be to to again set up this character to be a person who goes through this like human transformation that 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 falls in love and then has to. And then has to like fight for that love, but, but that's but not what a, this. That, that's what he's sitting up. But for but a transformation can, to matter, but, but for a transformation to matter, you need to, you need to start him at something, not start him at nothing. So I again, I completely bought the relationship between him and Carrie Mulligan. I completely bought why she would feel affection for him. But I also, but why? Why would she feel affection? Because for him? she is, she wants someone to be there for her and her child. So it could be anyone. No, it couldn't. Be, it couldn't just be anyone. And this is a guy. Who also is steadfast. His whole thing is that he's quiet, but he's also stead he's solid. He's steadfast. He will do what is needed to be done. And the thing that I think is really interesting is that when Oscar Isaac get, like and Oscar Isaac comes comes in, Oscar Isaac again, great, amazing actor. I love, I, I love this guy. Um, he comes in and he immediately brings danger to the family. He is not a man who can stand up to to uh, the outside mafia like like Ryan Gosling can. Ryan Gosling is a guy who will just state his case and you might have to you you might have to beat him but you'd have to beat him to death for in order for him to like stop whereas Oscar Isaac gets beaten up and and the thing that Ryan Gosling picks up on immediately is that a bullet is left with the child and you can see the anger at which that causes Ryan Gosling this is a guy and and this this is where the spiral begins to happen for Ryan Gosling we see we start seeing who he truly is he is a guy, again, and the, the analogy that I want to use is Travis Bickle from, from Taxi Driver. Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver has an idea of what it means to be human, but, does, but, but is missing certain points. And I think the thing with the, with the mask is really a good analogy for that. And I think this whole film, in a weird way, is like Nicholas Winding Riffing putting on the mask of genre, but it's like he's, it's like he's putting on, he, he's skinned another movie and put it on his own face. Sure. Um, and I, I kind of love it. And that doesn't it. have any horror to you? <laughs> it is. I think this is a horror movie. This is, this is a horrific movie. Oh, well, it's a horrific movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a, a, a horror <laughs> movie. Zing. Oh, something I did want to say about the beginning. I know we were sort of, uh, praising the beginning over yeah. and over. And I do, I love the first 10 minutes of this yeah. movie. I think it's artfully done. And I think it's great. I wish the rest of the film mirrored it. I don't think it does. Mm -hmm. I don't even think it almost references it till about midway through. But what I will say is something I noticed this time around upon my, this might be my third viewing. Mm -hmm. Uh, he does very impressive sort of like dodging of the cops when he's getting away. Yeah. But did you notice the only reason he could do that is because he had a police scanner and the police 
were literally beyond like informing other cops of where they were. They literally were just saying like information that would help someone get away. But isn't, like, that, isn't that part of his genius? Like, he, no, no, like no. He, but what I'm saying is police scanners don't like an information that comes across. Don't work like that. This came across as literally a narrator telling you what the police are doing. And then he just reacted. It was actually like, again, it doesn't break it for me. Yeah. It's fine. It was just a silly moment in a sequence that I once thought was perfect. So, again, if we're being specific, are you talking about the moment that he pulls up to the lights and there's a cop car across the way it's from the him? Okay, it's the entire... <laughs> again, I need you to be specific. But no, but listen to me. This police scanner is going the entire way through the sequence. And in the beginning, he turns it on so he knows what they are and etc. So there's a moment with the helicopter. There's a moment at the stoplight. Mm. But anytime he's about to do something, the police scanner says something along the lines of, we're about to turn down 3rd Street. So he doesn't turn down 3rd Street. But that's not how I police... Mean, that's not how police scanners work. Like, they literally were just announcing things so he could then look badass by not doing them. Consistently. That, anyway, that doesn't break it for me. Small, like, again, no, listen, I don't know how all police of, scanners work. In all but, of the small... and all and all of the thing, problems I have with this movie, this is not really yeah. one of them. I just found it very interesting because before I was like, this dude's a complete and utter badass. Now I'm like, oh, he's just literally painting by numbers at this point. But he's a good driver. <laughs> he's a good driver. Um, all right, so we're beyond spoilers. We're about... Oh, God, we've been ranting. Um, we kind of jumped around a bit. So let's get to, uh, where the film, like, you know, the romance, I think we've established. Yeah. Doesn't I, greatly I, work for me. Doesn't but, work for you. But, but, it works but, for me. But here's the thing. The story. Let's talk mm -hmm. about the overall story that I'll drill down into specifics. Mm -hmm. The story, especially this time around, didn't, I, it's so hard to, to go into this because. I think because of the pacing and I think because of a couple other things I was talking about, it does break the really nice moments for me. Like the story, I felt this is the, this is the weirdest thing I'll ever say about a film. I don't think the story is disjointed. It feels disjointed to me when I watch it because the, the, the realization that everything's tied back to Nino and like all that stuff yeah. like happens at the right part of a movie and it's a twist and you realize it and whatever and it should feel right. It should feel good to me. And I understand structurally, if we're just looking at act one, two, and three, it works. Mm -hmm. But because we're adding that little bit of two second fat, almost one or two second fat that I think exists in, a, in many different shots in this film. It's not even scenes, it's shots. Okay. The entirety of the pacing feels off and alien to me. And the entire time I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And then when that happened, I was like, oh no, it makes perfect sense. But I had this feeling the entire time. I'm like, they're just doing this wrong, even though I know they're not specifically doing it wrong. So it's these it's death by paper cuts in a weird way for me. It's this it's it gives me a bad taste in my mouth throughout. So I have a hard time enjoying the moments that I know are good. The cinematography, a lot of times when it's not just a slow push or an aerial shot of L.A. Newton, uh, Newton is Thomas, great. Uh, Seagull is amazing. It's great. The, the soundtrack, again, one of the what best soundtracks in fucking movie history. This is a classic example of me seeing a film doing a lot of things that I really like and doing one thing that I feel completely undermines it. And that is, well, two things, really. I honestly think the character of Driver is a bad choice to just have him be Driver and be robot to psychopath. And then two, I think this the, the death by paper cuts, this little extensions on every scene as opposed to the poignant ones in the hallway. And I'll even give you the one, el there's like three elevator shots. The one elevator shot you were talking about is the big one. It's the one where he the, the snaps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, it, I felt like went on too long, but it, that is earned in a weird way. There's other elevator shots where they're just standing there that like you get the most, like as an editor, I can't understand how you wouldn't be screaming, cut, motherfucker, cut. Like there's, there's, Tons of moments like that when they're just riding up with groceries or some shit. And I'm like, my, 
No, just but so, fucking so, go. So so here's so here's I really want to get specific. Um, the scene where they're riding up with groceries. Mm -hmm. um, the the whole scene that happens there is that it's the first time the kid and Ryan Gosling have hung out together. And he's staring at him, and, right? And he's staring at him, and like Ryan Gosling is trying his best not to smile. He's trying his hardest not to smile, but eventually he breaks through that scene. And so the reason that scene is interesting and compelling to me is that that's the, the dyma dynamic that's going on. But and after it's he smiles, and after it's he smiles, it hangs for another fucking two seconds. Like it, the mm -hmm. moment already happened and we're just fucking wallowing I, in it. I don't know why two seconds matters to you that it much. Does, but, it doesn't in one specific scene you hear. And this is the problem with the whole, let's think about again, specifics. You, you, you called out that I know, scene listen, and I want to, and I want to talk about both those elements. But you have to understand the problem is not one specific scene that we're drilling into. It's doing the same bullshit, in my opinion, thing throughout almost every scene. And it's that, it's that culmination of all that shit that makes this whole movie feel off for me. So I think what's happening for you is that for you, you are uninterested in this character. And so... 100%. So to live any longer than we need to for a pacing standpoint, that's actually a very good point. That probably is what really bothers me. And the, the, the difference for me is that I am interested in this character. I'm interested in the dynamic that goes on in these scenes. So for me, they actually last as long as they need to last. And I feel like we're getting exactly the transformational information that we need for that scene to last. For example, that scene with the kid staring at Ryan Gosling and he's holding groceries together... And he's trying to, and he's like trying to figure him out, and then he breaks into a smile, and that's where the scene ends. Perfect. It ends like I, two or three seconds later after that. I don't know why two or three seconds. But, I, but, I don't. But it's I think because it, I, it's because it's nearly every time. And like I do want to say, shot in the hallway. Didn't feel that way with it because I feel like that was like, oh, that was a poignant. That was a that was a much more poignant sort of moment for wait, me. Wait, are, you, are you talking about the when she's sitting, the one you referenced? When yeah, Isaac I love that. And up. then the scene after the 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 big scene that we're talking about. The thing that happened there is that. We have just learned that uh, she's just learned that Oscar Isaacs has died. She um, she knows that she should get away from Ryan Gosling at that moment. She knows completely that she should. This is not a person that she should be around for the sake of her child. They get into this elevator, and for the briefest of moments, like the light flutters down, and she kisses him. She lets herself be vulnerable to him, and then the very next second, he he not only like kills someone. He destroys them. He destroys their skull with his foot. Yep. And she sees him for who he is for, you know, for who he truly is at that moment. There was just the briefest hint where she was like willing to go along with it. She was willing to go along with the kiss. And then that scene ends where she le exits the elevator and the doors close. And the other, the, the thing that's happened there is Ryan Gosling realizes that he's revealed who he is as sure. well. And now he is naked in front of her and he can't go back from that. I think, all that information comes through that link. That that's why that scene and works. And I will I will concede that scene. Like that is a huge that is a huge mm -hmm. moment in the film. I don't particularly love it, but I totally understand it. Like I get that. Let it hang. Let and that and scene then it's, hang. It's beautifully composed in the the slow motion with the light dimming just at the moment of the kiss. It again it adds to this it heightened didn't, it didn't fable feel, to me. It didn't. And again, I I the and only it's thing with this extreme violence. It's just such a beautiful. Encapsulation it, of what this film is. Yeah, I think maybe I'm, I'm trying. I want to try to put this into a context that is is makes sense out of my head. You are right. That is what that that scene is. What this entire movie is trying to be. Mm -hmm. The problem is the entire movie is not that scene, and they treat a lot of scenes, a, a ton of scenes and shots like they're that scene, like they're that important. And the problem to me is when you make every shot try to feel as important as your real money shots. That, that, 
mutes that waters down the specialty. If everything's special, nothing's special. So you're you're hanging on these moments that, yeah, sure, one or two, depending on which ones you want to cherry pick, are wonderful, but you do it every time, then nothing feels special. Everything feels just as generic as Ryan Gosling's character feels for me. You got it. You're gonna have to give me a scene. I've yeah, given I, you I've given you tons of and scenes. I've, and every time I've explained to you what I think is interesting in that scene, you've been like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, I give I'll give you that scene. Give me a scene. You've given I, give me a scene that doesn't work. Here, we'll listen back to this. I've given you three scenes. What are the three scenes? The three scenes were the, uh, the shots around the dinner table, which I did not say I no, I didn't and, and, and we talked about what I thought was interesting in that scene. Yeah, and I said the the th- the, the shots are but the, the the interesting thing here is my problem is the same throughout every shot. So I'll give you, okay, dinner table scene. Which I like. Then I'll do uh, uh, elevator scene, not violence, yep. which you liked. You can say you liked it, and I'm glad you liked it, but that doesn't take away what I don't like, which is the problem I have with every scene. Let's take a different scene. Let's take the scene with the light stalking in the grocery desc- store. You're also describing two seconds here. You're, you're, like, you're saying it like... Every shot, Shahir, this is the problem. This is the problem with just saying, let's do specifics. This is the most specific thing I can say. Nearly 80% of the shots in this movie go on a second or two too long to to keep the pacing feeling like a cohesive thing for me. And I'm I, and I know I understand that I am in the minority here. People love this movie and I'm happy they love this movie, but I can't get behind it. It's just it's too I think you made a really good point and I'm trying to trying to work my way back to it. It's the cult, it's 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 maybe it's because my two problems are it's twofold the character of the driver and this pacing issue so if i'm not and i'm a big character guy if i'm not invested in this character at all and yeah, i only and I, think, I think that's fundamentally the the issue that you're you yeah. multiply that with a style of filmmaking as a whole that i don't agree works when i'm not inv- invested in this character and maybe it works because you're invested in it. maybe it works for the general audience because they're all invested in it but like it just it falls apart for me and then there's like as the movie continues there's more superfluous stuff that I feel like is almost like what you were saying too about the mask, like uh, the director's wearing the mask of an action movie guy. Yeah, yeah. So th- let's talk about real quick the the uh, what's it called the 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 heist they have to do for Oscar Isaac, mm-hmm. um, for standard they have to go to a pawn shop. Also, Christina Hendricks is in this movie and she doesn't have a line of dialogue for like the first twenty minutes she's in it, other than oh shit. Yeah. Um, I I, I was kind of like, why is she here? Like, it just didn't. She didn't. It was, she was superfluous for me. You mean as in an actor of that caliber? Or yeah, why or as a that character, character. I mean, I guess she's there to have a moment in the hotel. She's room. also the one that betrays uh, uh, Standard. She's like she's. The yeah, reason. it's just not quite set up cleanly. Like yeah. for all the length that they take with the main characters, I felt like maybe a, a little bit more exposition or something could have made her clearer. I did find the 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 double cross that happens is in, confusing. Is is a, is a little confusing, but it didn't break the movie. No, no, me. no. That's the thing. There's lots of moments like that in for the actual plot because mm-hmm. the whole time I'm like, this is yeah, this is another interesting. And they and they clear this up and it's fine. And this is why I think the the pacing was a problem because I remember I said the act one, two, and three it does all the right spots, but it just felt like like a like a like the underdark, like the like the a, a mirror or an opposite, like something feels off. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, what's it called? The the plot. I'm always like, wait, well, this isn't about this movie isn't about this. Like the the acts two and a little bit of act three are all about cleaning up a mess that shouldn't have been a mess anyway. And like they set up the beginning of the movie to be about Ryan Gosling and Carrie, and then this other character comes in, and then they're sort of like superfluous in the background, and then it hangs heavy on this heist and the heist gone wrong. And I understand there's cut, but there's 
there's consequences to the other characters, but it's not explained as to why till much later. And again, maybe that's due to a pacing issue from like a slow paper cutty kind of way to get there. That's why it feels off to me. So like a lot of times through this movie, I'm like, well, this doesn't have anything to do with anything until the very near the end. We're like, oh, right. Okay. It all wraps up. Like, cause all the characters r- go back to Nino, the, the mob boss. Right. So to me, the thing, the, again, the thing to, to, that makes me attach myself to, to the story is that, I'm interested in Ryan Gosling's transform not not his transformation his but werewolf but, transformation no but like the unveiling of who this character really is and again it's 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 akin to Travis Bickle in in in, uh, in Taxi Driver to me which is that the the film is going out of its way to unveil that this is a sociopath and and I think there's an ironic use of that song you know be a yeah, real human, human I think it's not ironic I think it's very very straightforward. Well, but the film, but the film is talking about him not really being a hero. Like he is a sociopath, and he is a person who brings terrible things to this family. But they play that at a moment where he's being kind of a hero and a human. And being. then in the end, it, they play it again at the end when he decides to leave. Right. Um. When he's out on his own, and when he's kind of like rained terror on this mob gang. Um. I th- Weakest mob gang on the planet, by the way. Let's just call a spade a spade. <laughs> I mean, they run a pizza shop. You know, the only Jewish pizza shop in in uh, in L.A. I just, I, I always, I always found it so hilarious, like how easily he beats everyone. Yeah, I mean, he. But the, again, I think that that the way in which he beats people isn't what's important. What's important is the degree to which he is willing to go on this on this like cause this this vengeance cause that he has, which which ostensibly doesn't have much to do with him. He hasn't got a lot of he hasn't got a lot of like yeah you know. He's got he hasn't got much stake in this race, right? Uh, but but he go he goes at it because I think he believes that by doing this he will find some semblance of his humanity. But I, again, we're all watching this going, dude, you is not right in the head. You is not cool. Um, and I think that's that's what that's where the interesting dynamic of this film lies. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, trying, I can, to, I'm I can, trying to think of a world where I would think that's true. Like I'm I trying to think of what's if, missing. If, I can for understand me. if you don't if you don't buy into the character and if you don't buy into that, then the style becomes bullshit to you, and the, and and none of this transformation is interesting to you. Because for a transformation, I think that's what it is. Is I need him. You can't have a. I'm trying to think of a movie that does it right, and maybe I'll think of it by the end of this. But you can't have. Do you a, like Taxi Driver? Yeah, but it's uh, it's not the same for me. I'm sorry. It, it's it's um. To have a transformation mean something, I need a point A and a point B. And this movie, I feel like, gives me empty space and point B. And it's not, I'm not saying a character has to be one way completely and then another, but he has to be a way. I'm trying to think of a, okay, like maybe, maybe Matt, I'm going to try Mad Max. I don't know if this is correct. So Mad Max Fury Road. He he is literally just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. He's out in the wastelands. He's trying to survive. And through the course of events, he does very selfish things. And then he meets a group of people that he begins to care about and starts acting more for the group than himself. That, for me, is a transformation from something to something else. This movie, I wouldn't even call the driver character like selfish or self-proprietary because he's just sort of... He just sort of exists. Like, yes, they've set him up as this illegal guy. They've set him up as a stunt guy. They've set him up as a mechanic. Like, he's all of these things, but he just feels like a shell of that entirely. Like, I don't, I have no idea what motivates him if it's different between doing heist jobs or working at the mechanic shop or working in movies. Does he love being in a car? He never acts like it. He's very good at it. Does he 
Does he? What's his? What's his backstory at all? And I know it's a conscious choice not to tell us that. What I'm saying is because there's no point A and it's just a blank space. I'll write your name, Taylor Swift. Uh, the the blank space is. I, I get it. Uh, <laughs> the, the, when he does do the transformation and does finally be a human being by going away after his slaughter fest. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean shit to me. So the Mad Max analogy that you're bringing up, I think, is the classic Joseph Campbell hero's journey sure. kind of thing. Yeah. And I think. This film is not playing at that level. This is, and again, I'm going to use Travis Bickle. But it's wearing the skin of it. It's wearing the skin of it, and I think that's really fascinating. I, I think this, you know, like the the lawsuit that happened where the woman sued because she felt like she was going to Fast and Furious, and she got and and she got Taxi Driver instead of Fast and the Furious. Sure, I think that that is a purposeful, intentional playing with expectations that this film does, and I think that this film. Oh yeah, but based on the beginning, the first ten minutes to the rest of the film, yes, yeah, completely. And I think, I think the thing that this character is struggling with is, is can he be? You know, again, I'm going to use the song, a real human being. I'm going to be a real boy, and I don't think he can. And I think that's not an easy answer for this film to give you. It's not like he's going to be like. I finally made it and he's not going to. He's going to reunite with Carrie Mulligan and ride off into the sunset. He gets stabbed. In a, in a very anticlimactic uh, finale to the to the to the mob story, he gets stabbed. He stabs someone's back. Then he drives off into the night by himself. Right, kind of fine in a weird way. He's fine, but he's also abandoning the life sure. he has, and he's abandoning her. So let's and talk I think, about. And I, and I think that is the ending for this character, and that's not a that's not an easy ending. Yeah, it is. He starts exactly how he stopped. He didn't. He didn't like. He he was nothing. Then he was a psychopath. Now he's nothing again. Like I don't think there's he's a nothing to begin with. I think he's trying to find his humanity, and the and the end answer is that there is none there. Maybe. Uh, I, so let's sort of just go through. So after the whole elevator scene, I know we're jumping around a lot. We do have to sort of uh, clean listen. It up. Everyone's seen this movie at this yeah, point. It's but like, six years let's old. talk about the two other driving scenes then, real quick. So okay, it's actually you got a before the, the second one, with the yeah. second one, right? So the second one, there's some neat driving, but I feel like it's actually the 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 worst shot of the three. Because so they're driving and they're getting away and they're being chased. And then he does this move. He does a reversal reversal. Now I watched it. I rewound this and watched it a couple times. Mm-hmm. There's no true reason why he does that move. Doesn't, uh, now, now, doesn't the reversal allow him to nudge the other driver, which causes the other no, driver to, to, no, no, no. to swerve? Nope. So, so what's happening is uh, he's in the lead. Him and Christina Hendricks are in the lead. And the follow car is is chasing them, and the follow car is pulling up next to them and doing that like tap, like yeah. trying to make him spin out. Yeah. Now, what I thought was uh, maybe when he was tapped, he just roll moved into that movement to turn around. Like mm-hmm. that made sense to me. So when I saw it, wasn't quite sure. I was like, oh, let me make sure. That's not what happened. He does it on purpose. He does it on purpose. So he spins around on purpose, and it's an incredibly impressive stunt. Yeah. Uh, but then he spins back around before a turn he doesn't tap the other car at all and the other car just can't make the turn and i think so it my, feels like to me and i'm not a driving person but it feels like that was the reason to do it but why because he can make that turn sharper and the other driver can't but he can't make that he turns fully around before he he anyway that kind of broke it for me and then the other one uh the the um the one where he's chasing nino out of the thing yeah uh his car basically becomes Batman. Like you realize that, right? 
Yeah, like, and, he, and he does that. He does an amazing thing. But I think it, it all relates back to that line that you actually used at the beginning of this podcast: "Is that are there any good sharks out there?" Right, but this is now and a magical he is, shark. He like, is, he he's is done, a shark. But so he he that he runs like even like, he runs Nino off the road and speeds away like away from the entire scene. Yeah. And then there's maybe 30 seconds of them sort of looking around, trying to figure out what just happened. Which he, in which time he could have turned around and come yep, back with in his complete silence because his muscle car is super quiet. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden the lights hit and you see him and he drives up. So like that's and again, a lot of great movies break and sadly do the Batman I'm thing. Sure that, I'm pretty sure the Fast and the Furious defies not physics. Putting, <laughs> yes, 100 percent. But they set up their own rules. This is the first time in this film that it breaks its own rules. Mm-hmm. So again, that's why I have the problem. Okay. It's just, you know, Fast and Furious is ridiculous through and through. There's yeah. no question. We understand that. If you don't buy into it, then you don't like it. Right. This is, it's been pretty fucking realistic other than like slow pushes and light and that sort I of thing. I, I find this whole thing to be, you know, like again, that quote that- About a, um, Grimm's fairy tale. Grimm's fairy tale. But I think I, I see it as like a, a fable. You know, this is a fable. Right. And I get that. Uh, but so those scenes were whatever. And then finally, when he finally meets with the big bad- um. Uh, Albert Brooks. Albert uh, Brooks. Uh, you know what's funny is I just watched Judgment City, which is a a, a rom com that Albert Brooks uh, yep. directed back in the eighties, where he goes to he goes to uh, heaven or to a judgment place, and he has to like. It's got a very Woody Allen esque, and he's basically this soft, lovable schmuck. And uh-huh. then to see him like I know in this film where he's like a just villainous yeah. and the scene where he cuts Brian Cranston's, oh, and that's great. It's just like and like the way he does it, he grabs his hand and he's like. Okay, it's done. Don't worry. There's going to be no more. Pain. I really like that scene. I'm 100%. I like that scene. That is not one where I felt like the style. It's funny because the style, the problem I have with it is it's jarring to me when it happens in certain shots and scenes. If that did hang too long, well, it, I guess here's the thing. I guess I don't think it hung too long on that scene because I felt like that scene was great. Because you were interested in what was happening between these two characters. And like, maybe you, you yeah. had this like amazing backstory with Brian Cannon, yeah. which was like, and there's like there's a beautiful little detail there that I never noticed until this time around because the whole thing is is that Brian Cranston, the way Albert Brook describes him, you know, describes him is he's never been lucky. Right. He's never been lucky, and he and he walks, you know, and like he's had his hip broken, and he's got it's such a transformation from the Breaking Bad character that we yeah. know Brian Cranston to be, where he's like he's just a loser. Also, side note, he became Batman in the last episode of that too, so I, you know, whatever, whatever, uh, <laughs> and then. He's got the, like, so, and then he gets, he gets cut, you know, like he basically gets, you know, committed to suicide imposed upon him. And I see this detail that I never noticed before, but he's got a horseshoe tattoo on his neck, which is like, oh, lucky. He's, he's tried to be lucky his whole life. And that's the tragedy of this character yeah. is that he's just never going to be that guy. So, so then finally, and it's, and it's because of Ryan Gosling. It's because of what his character does. And I think that's even more, you know, like, again, this, is, I, I believe fundamentally Ryan Gosling likes this guy. He likes Brian Cranston. He likes who he is to him. And then he really he sees him at that moment and he sees what he's done to him. And I think that again it plays really into the last scene which is that he leaves the money. He does he has no interest in the money. It's a million dollars. He leaves it lying on the sidewalk and drives off. And it's done with this beautiful shot where we we track up from the wound up to his face and we and yeah, this is one where we hang there for like 10 to 15 seconds before he drives off. And I was like in that 10 to 15 seconds. I was there with him trying to figure out what decision to make. It's so funny. The, the scene when they, when they stab each other, this is a, I do feel like at this moment it, after all of the ultra violence, it's, it's, it's either, very anticlimactic. It's anticlimactic almost to the point of like art house because the stabbing takes place in shadows. Like I'm like, and I even wrote my notes and then their shadows murder each other. Like, cause it does hang and on it, that shadow shot for a long time, which is fine. Whatever. Uh, 
just the ending for me, you know, at that he drives off, that yeah. he's fine. Like I, I just, I don't he, know if he's fine. Maybe he's fine. He's got, he's got like a freaking stab wound in the stomach. He should have honestly. And again, he could is, basically be driving to his death for all yeah, we know. Which is it's what like, I, I'm, I'm thinking happens. And yeah. if it doesn't, like, I kind of wish we sort of. Nah, I don't want to see it. I don't know what it is. I just. Uh, and and the fact he leaves the money is fine. Uh, you could have also gone it the other way, and I would have been fine. You could have like had it double cross, and he left it with the girl, or you could have done any of that shit, and I think it would have been fine. There's, a, there's an amazing scene. Bef- uh, it's right before the elevator scene where he's trying to. He's saying to her, "I've got the money. You know, I could uh, I could give it to you. You could get out of here." And then he kind of looks down at his feet, kind of sheepishly, and he's like, "I could go with you." Right. And you know, like it's it's that that's what he wanted. That's the life he th- he thinks he wants. And the very next scene, he's forced to become a sociopath, or not forced to. Or I mean, I guess he is forced to. And and she sees him for who he is, and and he realizes that she could she doesn't see him as a potential person that she could run away with with a million dollars with. So it's it's like that complete loss that he has. I don't think it's tragedy on. I, I think it's an interesting character observation about who this person is. And I just and don't think there's any person he. Is. I just don't. that's that's the point. He is he is a shark. He is the shark in the way that 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 uh, uh, who's the character in Jaws describes the the black eyes. But you I know, guess that no doesn't soul. make a good main character for me. Do you know what I mean? Like I if the, ma- if he's just the shark. I, I think it care. makes a really interesting character. It makes a good it makes a good antagonist or it makes a good sort of side character. Like it's almost I'm going to bring it to the MCU. Hulk makes yeah. a great he makes a great uh you know support character. But nothing about him is interesting to me because he's just super all rage all the time, right? So it just doesn't even the Bruce Banner stuff I don't even yeah. give a shit. It just doesn't make same reason I don't think Superman makes a compelling makes a compelling character. It's these characters that are so one note that when played off other characters, Brian Cranston, uh, you know, Oscar Isaac, like all these other people, when done correctly, works super well. But when your main character just goes from empty shell to sociopath to empty shell, I don't particularly care. When he's a shark, that's literally what a shark is. Yeah, and I think that's interesting. I think, I think, I think and I think clever I, they reference it, I don't think and it's I, interesting. And I think that, again, this film is defying expectation. It's defying the expectation that you have that you want this character to like be, I don't know, a romantic plot, plot interest. I, to me, that sounds less interesting than what this film is. I just don't. I think I think giving him any sort of reason for existing before turning into a psychopath and before meeting the girl, even maybe it's, to a it's point. It's even referenced the, uh, a second time with the scorpion and the frog story. He tells the scorpion and the frog that story. I felt felt super forced too because he's got a scorpion on his jacket, guys. The scorpion. I mean, and the if you want to see the best example of the scorpion and the frog story, it's uh, Orson Welles' Touch of Evil. Oh yeah, yeah. Where they they you know like yeah, yeah. why does this? Anyway, I, I mean, oh actually no, it's the trial. Sorry, it's uh, Orson Welles' The Trial. Is that what I was thinking of? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But the so I, I mean, look. I, this is the end. This is the end of my sort of final this thoughts about this. End. This is the end. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, I hate run. everyone that made me watch this movie. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I actually, to be completely honest, I liked more aspects of this film upon the third time and watching it really critically. Like I wanted, I kind of wanted to come into this podcast being revitalized about it. Like, fuck, like I, I'm kidding guys. Like I really like, like I, I was, I was God, I was looking hard for like that moment of like, and I, I tried very intently to, to to find things that I like about it. Like I said, cinematography for a lot of times was on like awesome. Soundtrack was absolutely perfect. Uh, supporting characters were wonderful, mm-hmm. and the story I don't think is broken. The story is just at a disservice due to the pacing that I mentioned before. But overall, 
And this is just it. This is just me. And Shahir can have the final thought because I'd rather. I, again, I want people to like movies. Yeah. I just don't like this one. I feel like this is just sort of like a bad film about bad luck where main characters still seem to luck their way in and out of bad situations. Like, it's just like, it's just, uh, I, it's, I, I find it overrated. And it does things good. It does a lot of things bad. It's collective bad is worse for me. And I really, I, I don't, I understand why people like it, but I don't like it that people think it has such reverence. I think, and I think there's some truth to that, which is that to me, there's a lot going on under the surface of the movie. And, and if you watch it just for the, the superficial surface qualities, it's an extraordinarily beautiful film. It, um, it's, it's portrayal of violence is incredibly artful while at the same time incredibly brutal, which you know I think I is what I, which I think is jarring, intentionally jarring. The violence, I remember it in my mind's eye about like being like really realistic and like, oh, that feels awful and blah, blah, blah. This time to me, and I don't know if it's just because the times have changed, it felt super cartoony. Like it was, it, it was, there was something weird about it that, especially the hotel scene. Yeah. I, I think I, I think the whole film kind of works in this fable sense. It's it's it's, and what I what I really like about that this this is the thing that I'm personally drawn to with films is when films are hermetically sealed, when their entire universe is unto themselves. Everything from the font, the color, the the way the camera moves, the way people t- talk, uh, and and you know a film that I love in that respect is is Orson Welles' film The Trial. I, I think that is just a. There is no film that works in that universe. That is the only film that feels like that. Um, and what I love about Riffin is I feel that he's a filmmaker that considers every single frame of his movies. I mean, Valhalla Rising is astounding. Bronson is astounding. Those are the other two films I've seen. But I think there he is incredibly thoughtful about frame A as he is about the final frame. And he's incredibly thoughtful about every single detail of the, of of those frames. It's not just the coloring. It's the way... The neon, you know, this the neon font. He basically introdu- reintroduced us to the to the vocabulary of the mainstream, 80s, yeah, of eighties films, uh, and took it in a way that I think modernized it. And he was being playful with it. He wasn't just he's not a guy who's just like redoing to live and you know to live and die in L.A. Mm-hmm. or Heat or anything like that. He's doing something entirely different with them. So that's what I, I I'm really drawn to that. Admittedly, and I, I, because I think this guy is an outstanding filmmaker, he is a person who understands cinema and he is a person who doesn't just do things because they're easy. He does, he makes sure. decisions that, that are difficult. Um, right. I'm, I'm will I am willing to jump and defend this film because I think even if there are times at which I actually, you know, like I said, the first time I watched this movie, I was a little lit down by everything post the, uh, the initial scene. Right. But I'm willing to give this film the benefit of the doubt because it's so beautifully crafted and it comes from such a thoughtful place. And every time I watch it, there's something to be gained about it. And the, one of the best reviews I can say about this film is I'm happy to watch it over and over again. And I'm happy to ha- give it a different reading each time. And I'm happy to read beneath the surface of this movie. The danger of this movie is, is the danger of The Wolf of Wall Street and the danger of Fight Club. These movies are so polished and so again, sealed in their own universe that people take the wrong message out of this. 
they walk away like wanting the scorpion jacket. I had the driver's gloves for a little while. Ah, you tool. You know, like you, you, the, you, you walk away with that kind of thing. Fight Club people walk away with like, I want to be Tyler Durden without realizing that Tyler Durden's a sociopath. Right. You know, they walk away from uh, Wolf. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street thinking Belfort's amazing, but he's a sociopath. Right. They walk away from this film without realizing this dude is a sociopath. But it's funny. Th those two characters, mm. well, there's differences, but like, I think this character, and maybe it's a reason people could latch onto it, is because it was so empty. Like, it, it, as a shell of a thing, like, in the jacket and the glove and, like, whatever. And it's, like, that stoic, weird machoism if, like, you're going in and you put that on it. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, and I think you could read it that way. And I think that's possibly the wrong way to read it. And I think, but I don't think, again, I don't think Riffin, from what I've read, will listen to interviews with them, uh, again, that documentary. I think this is a playful filmmaker. This is a filmmaker who wants people to engage with his movies. Oh, and I've engaged. Yeah. <laughs> I have day. engaged. So if that's his goal, then, then a goal reached, uh, I, 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 you know, he's, he's a smart guy. He I, is. And I would never, I would never say that this is a, a, <sighs> this is obviously not a poorly made film mm -hmm. critics, people that love it. Except for every two seconds, where it's well, that's the cut. thing for me. For me personally, it's it's not it's not a good movie. It's just not. I think it's it's. I don't know what it is about. I think we kind of touched on it before. It's just sort of me reiterating at this yeah. point. So like, I just I don't like it. Now this is something I will say. Everyone, if you haven't seen it, should see it. Make the decision yourself. Uh, and if you don't like it, let me know because I'd love to meet another person. That doesn't like this movie. I'm sure there. I mean, it's it's. I've never met one. But I think even people. The the thing that I think is is, is that that's interesting about your opinion is the is the word is the use of the word hate. I think even people. Who well, you know why I say that, right? Why? But it's because it's a film that does so much stuff that I love. But then so that, on the other side of it, like if it was just. If, but you're so angry about it. This the thing is, is I because think because it could be so great. But the but the thing is, it's like you're so much more forgiving for terrible movies because they're terrible, <laughs> and I don't think the people making terrible movies know exactly what the fuck they're doing. I think this director knows what he's doing. It's just something that I fucking don't like. So look, uh, we're just gonna keep repeating ourselves. Uh, this has been the only podcast about the film Drive. Wow, Literally, guys! You know what's funny is I actually did look, try to look up other podcds. And no I one did it. I couldn't find. Well, one. that's our whole shtick. Shahir, when you're not defending movies that I despise, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me at uh, www.shahirdaud.com. That's S H A H I R D A U D. Where for all my life and works uh, and robot music video coming out. Actually, interestingly, we almost col uh, our colorist for the robot music video was almost the colorist for this film for Drive, uh, which I was very excited about. Didn't work out in the end. Um, but we have an excellent colorist. Uh, and so we're at that stage. We're I'll coloring this. Believe thing. it when I see it. You can find me at Matthew Kroll, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com. Also, Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Also, you can find us all together at OnlyMoviePodcast.com. You can also email us at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com. You like this uh, fan request review or you don't like it? Let's find a movie that you want us to do. We try to do them every Wednesday that we can. Obviously, life gets in the way, but uh, we really like doing it. And uh, Shahir, where would people want to give us stars if they happen to have stars they wanted to give us? Is it Z-Tunes? Uh, B-Tunes? A-Tunes? fuck you. C-Tunes? <laughs> D tunes, Z tunes, E tunes, 
H tunes. Well, uh, I'm going to jump over the next one. Go, G-tunes. go to <laughs> iTunes. And, iTunes. Uh, <laughs> fuck you. What does the I stand for? Uh, internet. Is it? Yeah. Is that, so the iPod, uh, yeah. internet. Pod. Maybe. I don't fucking know. Sounds. Uh, or maybe it's supposed to be about like you as an I. You know what I mean? Like the I, the, the, the Is me. it capital? I always get No, it's wrong. lowercase I. Oh. Uh, then uppercase, whatever the fuck the next letter is. We're going off topic. Please rate us there. We'd love it for you to it's love us. It's a really good way to help us out uh, sharing the word. We've been getting, we're, we're broadening our audience in the last few weeks, and I'm really excited about that. Yeah. So, so if thank you like you guys. us, please spread the word. Yeah. Because we're, we're innovators. See you next week. Bye.